This episode of Solutions in Senior Health is brought to you by Home Care Solutions in Pensacola, Florida. In this episode, Jenny and I were joined by Dr. Rodney Gutman of the University of West Florida. Dr. Gutman's research includes biomarker assay development with a major focus on Alzheimer's disease and neurodegeneration. As we begin this podcast, you'll hear Dr. Gutman describe some new insights on transcranial magnetic stimulation and its effects on the brain in regards to Alzheimer's disease. Thanks for joining us. So they have a device that you can take home and you wear it and it's a stimulator. Mm-hmm. So like you a couple wear of times it on your head? Yeah, you wear it for a couple times <clears throat> a day. And uh, the nice thing about it is you can do it at home. So you don't have to go into a clinic Uh and get a treatment like you do with what you see with some of the other uh, stimulators. And I think that was what was uh, most interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so... And so what's it measuring? It's not a measuring. Yeah, so it's it's stimulating the brain with magnetic waves. Okay. So the brain is electrical. It's electrochemical. Mm -hmm. And so you can stimulate it with electrical stimuli but the same way as you know that a magnet you know you could yeah. like tesla you know you take a magnet and mm-hmm. turn it into electricity same what same theory basically applies i guess yeah so participants in the first trial wore the cap for one hour twice a day for two months done in home <laughs> and then I, they're looking at from what i could gather they are looking at extending that study to see if it so what information are they gathering from that they are looking at memory so is this improving, is it uh, altering the course of dementia? So is their memory staying the same or okay. getting better? And at early stages, when you're looking at only a handful of people, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. make a statistical judgment on that. Um, but it was an interesting, I mean, transcranial stimulation has been used successfully in a number of neurological conditions. So in terms of safety, that's an important element to it. So mm-hmm. that's the first sort of thing you want to look at is make sure it's safe. Right. So going into it, you kind of know already that transcranial magnetic stimulation is a safe process to use if done properly. Now it's what all can we use it for? So uh, adding dementia to, mm-hmm. the, to the list would be a positive, especially if it's something you can do at home. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's a cap that you wear. So what... Part of the brain is it actually stimulating? That's a great question. Um, presumably, you know, most of the damage in Alzheimer's disease is going to be cortical, so on the surface, and then in the hippocampus, and that then spreads over time. Yeah. Um, these are probably people at the earliest stages, but presumably, with you know magnetic stimulation, you can get deeper in the brain, so that you would be stimulating predominantly. One would hope the hippocampus. So that's the area of the brain. It's in the what's called the temporal lobe, mm-hmm. where short-term memories are converted into long-term memories. That's sort of the simplest way of explaining right. it. So the more you can stimulate that area of the brain, the hypothesis would go that the better your short-term memory would be, and then that would extend in a disease condition, so that you you would help them out. Okay, the so time. that's that's the hope then is to <clears throat> to do that over time and maybe cease the the memory loss and or, and or help to regain it. Right. Okay. Right. Because the way the way the brain works is it's just like we talk about muscle. You know, you use it or lose it. Right. So it's the same way with your brain. So in, in many ways, what 
uh, caregivers are doing now is stimulating, right? So the more stimulation you can give, so the hypothesis goes, then the, the longer your brain will remain healthy and intact. So one of the things we, that I've told people before is when you're a caregiver for someone, you want the person to do as much as they can. Because once you start helping them, then you're going to give more help, and then you get more help, and then yeah. it sort of is the cascade effect. And so you want to resist that temptation, I think, that we all feel as yeah. caring, loving people yeah. to do as much as you can, but you have to make a judgment call on what can they actually do. So in terms of magnetic stimulation, that's basically the idea, is stimulate those areas of the brain and that will get them to communicate, and then the more they can communicate, then the stronger they become. Right. Kind of like a snowball effect. Hmm. Um, so what, what are the other types of neurological issues that they use that technology for? Probably Parkinson's, I would think. I guess they have used it for movement disorders, like yeah. Parkinsonism. I think depression is a big one. Um, I, for me, I think the oh. one I'm most familiar with is treatment for depression. Okay. Um, and those types of conditions. I'm not as familiar with that technology as I am with sort of understanding the biochemical basis. Okay. of dementia, but uh, I, I know that depression is one. Could you tell us a little bit about what Biogen was trying to do and now they're doing? Right, <laughs> so they, they have been interested in um, working on conditions that are difficult, and Alzheimer's certainly fits that bill. And uh, one of their lead compounds has generated a lot of excitement, particularly over the last several years, because it's been looking so promising as it's been moving through the clinical trial process. Um, it's a plaque buster, so the idea of many of the you know, immunization uh, hypotheses out there is to remove the plaques from the brain. So this one looked very promising in terms of both removing plaques, which is important, but what's more important is improving cognition, right? Because that's what right. people care about. We want we want mom or dad to be able to think clearer. Mm -hmm. So that was what raised the level of excitement is that while many of the other A-beta-based therapies were clearing plaques, they really didn't look like they were having much improvement in cognition. Okay. And this was an exception to that rule, if you will. And so several years ago, it got very exciting. And then earlier this year, it got real exciting when it looked like it had worked. Then... Several months later, as the data kind of came in, maybe it didn't work. Hmm. So things didn't look so bright for that particular compound. But then just a few weeks ago, um, there was a sort of a re-look at the data from what we can tell. So what they shared was publicly is that uh, the initial endpoint that they had selected didn't look like had been met. And that was what kind of reduced enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Then a few weeks ago, looking at the data again, apparently something that they discovered looks like maybe they missed and that it actually does look like it worked in certain cases for certain people. It's a little unclear yet what, what that means. And so that sort of reignited excitement about that molecule again. So did they resume a, a study or did From, they just start another one? Or I don't know where they stand in that study. The... the um, I don't know all the details yeah. on all the different trials. Typically, when you have a when you're when you're looking at a drug, you might have multiple studies mm -hmm. going on. So, um, it would require a little bit of a deeper dive yeah. into all the trials that they have running on that particular compound. But from what is what I understand so far, is it's more of a kind of a look back at the data, and it looks as though 
maybe there was a, an effect there that okay. wasn't measured before. So we'll see. And how um, how would that drug be administered if it became you know if it became mainstream treatment? I think is this it is an, an or? Uh, it is an injection. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are infusions. Again, I don't know all the details about this particular one. Some of them are prolonged infusions. Some of them are shorter injections. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that would be something to look at in terms of, in any clinical trial, how it's administered is also an evaluation. Mm-hmm. So right. is it something you give once a day, twice a day? Do you have to go in for three hours? You know, so yeah. I need to look at the details on that. <laughs> okay. What, what is infusion? Uh, basically, you have a, a large volume that you're going to be given. So instead of okay. an injection of a few milliliters, it's, uh, you know. Like an IV. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. You see that with people like chemotherapy. They mm-hmm. go in for infusion therapy. So yeah. they're going to be sitting in a, they're going to be sitting there a little while. Now, how does that compare to treatments that are out there today that, I mean, there are treatment. No. no. Treat, tre- treatment is not the right word. Well, yes. Okay. What would you... That? So there are um, there are medicines that are used to try to uh, manage the symptoms. So and those run a range of symptoms. Of course, the primary one people are interested in is memory. So that's where, you know, the Aricepts and the Namendas and all the, the well, Namendas is only the only one, but for the... Uh, cholinesterase inhibitor family, so your Exelon patches and things like that, those are targeted at trying to improve memory or at least slow the decline in memory loss, but it's not affecting the underlying disease. So when you get the flu and you treat, you treat your runny nose, you're treating the runny yeah. nose, but you still have the flu. Yeah, right. I find it so... Um it's amazing to me that, that I've been a nurse for 30 years, and when I started doing home nursing, that was all there was was Aricept and Namenda, and that's still all there is. Right. I mean, there's like been no progress. There have been no successful clinical trials in like 20 years. Um, that's yeah, just it's, really sad. <laughs> is that because of lack of funding or lack of lack, interest? or? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of variables, I think. The, the first one is is that Alzheimer's disease is just a tough disease. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, your brain is a complex organ. Um, it's complicated by the fact that this is an age-related disease, and so you have many other underlying conditions that people have that are contributing factors yeah. to the decline. So we have normal memory loss. We have... Um, you know, sort of normal conditions that we deal with on a on a routine basis as we get older that affect, you know, brain yeah. function. So, you know, you might not think about these things, but, you know, as your vision changes and your hearing changes and your sense of touch changes and all your senses start to decline, well, that impacts your learning and memory. Right. So that's so it's the hard to differentiate if that's uh, normal stuff that's going on or if it's actually a dementia type. In, in many cases, it can be because depression can cause symptoms that mm-hmm. look like dementia. Mm. Uh, metabolic disorders can have symptoms that look yeah. very much like, de- well, they are dementia. They look like Alzheimer's disease, as I should clarify. They, mm-hmm. these, are, these are dementias. They are um, causes of dementia that may look like Alzheimer's disease because you think about you know, people who've been w- working in the field for 30-plus years, they can still have trouble telling whether that it's Alzheimer's disease or is mm-hmm. that something else, particularly right. if you don't know the person, hmm. right? So people constantly worry about where to park my car, where are my keys, why did I walk in this room, right. who are you, what happened last week, what did I have for breakfast? I mean, the three of us here are looking at, like, what did I have for breakfast yeah. yesterday? Where, you know, and so 
that gets compounded as we get older. And, you, you know, pain is another factor that people, I think, yeah. don't appreciate that, you know, you think about if you're hurting, mm. you know, you, you just go out and you stub your toe and your toe is aching all day. You're going to have a bad day. Right. Yeah. You're not going to remember. You're not going to be able to focus. You're not going to. So what happened that day? Maybe a little bit foggy for you. Well, you think about it as we get older. I mean, pain is a natural yeah. thing that happens, and we're always managing it. So we don't think about those. And so that that accumulation over time, you know, is maybe difficult to differentiate from an actual underlying yeah. brain pathology. And even lung disease, where your uh, oxygen levels are compromised to your brain, you know, you're you've got deficits there that may not be Alzheimer's. They're just for sure, people with COPD mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, chronic, had long life, lifelong diabetes, yeah. uh, lifelong cardiovascular issues, lifelong cholesterol problems that affect your cardiovascular function, affect brain function. So, so you know, long way around the story, it, it's not a lack of interest. It's, yeah. a, it's just a difficult, so it's the first thing I yeah. think is just difficult. Yeah. Number two, I wouldn't say lack of interest. I would say that Alzheimer's doesn't rise to the same level historically as cancer, mm-hmm. HIV, heart disease, those types of things where they are clear and obvious killers. Mm-hmm. And that has been a um, something that's had to be overcome, kind of that mindset of, well, Alzheimer's disease doesn't really kill you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And people don't realize, well, yes, it does, it does. kill you. <laughs> you, you. You do die from something else you know you die from you know pneumonia or other things but had you not had alzheimer's disease you wouldn't have been bedridden you wouldn't have gotten pneumonia and you wouldn't have died right so that's been a battle that's been fought for the last few years i think fairly successfully by the alzheimer's association and nih and others who have tried to make it clearer that alzheimer's disease is killing people Mm -hmm. um and so that's an obstacle but, you know, here in the state of Florida, they've done a really nice job in the last several years, especially funding is going up. NIH funding is going up. I mean, it's becoming increasingly um, more on the radar screen for funding agencies, both public and private, to fund this and find an answer. Because you're getting to the point where all these other diseases and conditions are on the decline. You know, yeah. when, uh, uh, when I go out and I give other presentations, you know, you look at you know, cancer and strokes and heart attacks and, you know, 20, 30 years ago, those were, those were, those were, that was a death uh, diagnosis. Mm. Now it's like, what are my options? You know, if you have cancer, it's not only, I'm fully expecting to survive this, it's by what means am I going to do it and what's going to be the most cost effective way to do it where, you know, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a heart attack, you were in trouble. Now, you know, people live in that and that healthcare system and that improvement has resulted in problems on the back end, right? So now you have people who have lived with a heart condition for 30 years. How does that affect cognition yeah. and, and those types of those types of things? So I know I used to have um, patients that had uh, their diagnosis was congestive heart failure, and I'd say, "Oh my God, they're gonna they're not gonna be around long." But they're 30 years later, they're fine. They're still here. That's right. So. That's right. It, it that, can be managed, and and lots of things can be managed that way. That is the beauty of modern medicine, mm-hmm. and I mean, and that's the great hope for Alzheimer's disease is researchers are gonna crack it. It's yeah. just it's, it's just a matter, matter of time. time. Um, you know, as uh, and 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 things do take time, right? It's 
improvements in technology. Mm-hmm. It's improvements in those, and like the, I think the most profound for Alzheimer's disease is going to be brain imaging. So mm-hmm. the imaging technology is making leaps and bounds. You know, the ability to look in real time uh, changes in the brain mm-hmm. as that gets better and better and more refined. We're going to see another leap in understanding on what's going on. You know, we have focused on the neurons in the brain for much of the work, and now people are looking at the other cells of the brain and what their role is. So they're called glial cells. So mm-hmm. there are other there are the cells that obviously are contributing to brain mm-hmm. function, not just the neurons, even though that's been the focus. So people are looking at you know the astrocytes and the microglia and the other cells in the brain to find out what is their contribution. We were talking about the different factors that can give you symptoms that people might think are dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, How does a a UTI play into that? Because you hear that a lot. Well, I've heard it a Uh lot with elderly people. If they have a UTI and they start hallucinating or they start speaking out of their heads, you know, why, why is that? Something like that has to do with uh, balance, so electrolyte balance and those types of things. So when you have an infection of your, you know, your kidneys, then um, you're going to have alterations in the balance between sodium, potassium, these other and other calcium, other important ions in your body. And as that gets out of whack, then you start to have, you know, uh, have uh, changes in cognition in the way your behavior because your brain cannot operate in an environment where those key ions are not in balance. Yeah. So our bodies work very hard, not to get too sciencey here, on homeostasis. Mm-hmm. So as sodium levels go up, we want to bring them down. Mm-hmm. As you know, our temperature goes up, we want to bring it back down. And when you have an infection like that, it can alter the chemical balance, and that can then re- affect your brain. And that's why you end up seeing those types of things happening in some cases. Gotcha. And they don't typically happen in younger people with UTIs. It's mostly older people Yeah. that start to have those symptoms. I guess because of a lot of but, other things. Uh, all the on. other factors. Yeah. yeah. Right. Your overall metabolism is altered. Yeah. So you have a more difficult time maintaining homeostasis as mm-hmm. you get older. Okay. So your kidneys don't function as well. Your liver doesn't function as well. You hate to be sound... De- depressing about it, but as yeah. we get older, those systems are not as e- as, e- as efficient. So that's the young people can tolerate the heat and the cold right. better than an old person can tolerate the heat and the cold. Yeah. But when that old person was fifteen, right, they, they could tolerate the heat and the cold. It's just a matter that's just just the way we age. It's just aging, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, why don't you tell us about what's new with you? So we have been focused on biomarkers for the last several years, trying to get at means for the earliest possible diagnosis. So um, changes in our brain are thought to occur many decades before the actual cognitive changes take place. So you know, the av- if the average person has Alzheimer's disease at 70, well, in your 40s and 50s, the brain is already starting to change and go down that pathway towards dementia. So one of the goals is, just like with other conditions like being pre-diabetic and pre-hypertensive, mm-hmm. we want to get to you know pre-dementia. So uh, in order to do that, one of the ways one of the ways to do that is through biomarkers. So just like you go to the doctor and you get your blood pressure checked, and if it's starting to elevate, that's a biomarker. Mm-hmm. So as your blood pressure reaches a certain threshold, they're like you're pre-hypertensive. We need to make some changes, 
and hopefully we can make changes that don't require radical changes. Mm -hmm. So we want to do lifestyle changes, that kind of thing, dietary changes. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a, oh, if you are um, subject to a bone loss, you might start out with getting a, a, a scan, right. and it looks like your bone density is changing. Well, we want to catch that early. Same thing with dementia. So our approach is to look in, and many other people's approach is to look in blood and cerebral spinal fluid as fluids that have access to the brain that we can then draw upon and look for biological changes, biochemical changes. But cerebral spinal fluid, getting that, that's just not as simple as drawing blood. So that's pretty uh, invasive. It is not as simple. It is more invasive, but... Um, it is one of the means that is done now mm -hmm. looking at for some biomarkers. We don't have any blood biomarkers yet yeah. people are okay. looking. So cerebral spinal fluid is like the state of the art for 2019. And when would you make that determination to do that? You would do it as early as possible. So you might look at someone in their 40s and 50s and look to see. That would be the long-term goal. But why would you do it? Why, why would you do it at 40? What would be the... You'd see this person, you're, mm -hmm. we're going to do cerebral spinal fluid study. Right. <laughs> so you would, the reason you would want to do it as an individual would be to know what your future risk is. Okay. And certainly right now, you um, would have to make lifestyle changes if that were going to be the case because there is no, there is no right. therapy, there is no treatment. Now, in the bigger picture, you, we need people as early as possible so that they can be tested. And count and, and execute clinical trials and test new drugs, new therapies, new methods to determine whether or not that therapy works. So one of the one of the big challenges in the field is that by the time someone enters a clinical trial, they have a diagnosis. At a minimum, they have a diagnosis of what's called MCI, mild cognitive impairment, mm -hmm. which is still fairly far along in the cognition process. Mm -hmm. But up until recently, it was an Alzheimer's diagnosis, as best as you could get one. Um, well, at that point, the brain is fairly deteriorated. So it may be very difficult for any, even if it were effective, it may not be that effective in someone that, 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 that is that far along. So the real benefit is identifying someone early where you could start an intervention and then follow them over time and see if the intervention actually prevents mm -hmm. onset. If I was an individual with um, a history of Alzheimer's in my family, then could I make that decision myself to be tested? You can. So at, at this stage of the game, um, there's a handful of markers that are used, and you can go to your doctor and ask for an assessment. And uh, how is insurance playing that? Do they pay for that? Or it I varies. Bet they, yeah. Okay. It, as, as with all other yeah. insurances, it varies. Yeah. Um, I do know that um, some individuals' insurance has paid other than the copay. You mm -hmm. know, so it, whatever it was, I hate to make up numbers, right. but you know, whatever your copay was, that's what they paid or yeah. whatever they were responsible for. Okay. But it wasn't as though they got the full bill. Mm -hmm. But other insurance, you may be no coverage for something like mm -hmm. that. But that will, of course, but change. Kind of, yeah, that's going to come around. That That'll... will change. I mean, it's like, you know... Um, it's like everything else. Yeah, you know, it's when like there's, the when there's only a few people that are getting it done, it's going to be very expensive. Yeah. And then as it catches on and more people, then, then the cost comes down. Because right. you're, you're, your cost to do the assay 
goes down as there's more people involved. Yeah. You know, there's a certain threshold. That breast cancer test uh, that came out years ago, mm-hmm. hardly anyone had it done, and insurance didn't pay for it. And now it's like common, right? You know. Well, now you can go get immunizations for free. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can you yeah. go to, you go to go to the drugstore, go to and a lot go, of you can get a lot of medications for free too. So right. That's yeah. Your antibiotics, mm-hmm. many things. You know. So yeah, it's one of those things where up front it's going to cost a yeah. lot, and then down the road it will get less and less expensive. And that goes with the, you know. With anything, yeah, you know, you have a lot of you you have a lot of upfront costs. You know, you've got a you've only got a limited amount of time. You know, that's you know that that gets into the arguments about um, you know patent protection. You know, once you go down the road, once the patent clock starts ticking, Mm -hmm. you've got to you've got to make you got to make that up so that you can get ready for the next new discovery. You know, we we as people, we fully expect right. I'm sitting here telling you. I fully expect there to be a treatment or a cure at some point in the future, mm-hmm. but once it once it arrives, whichever company developed that has got to recover right. these past thirty years of investment. You know, and that's mm-hmm. why you've seen companies bail um, bail out on their research programs, and they're they're onto something that doesn't work. Well, you can only yeah you can, you can, you can only, only so have much. so many losers. You yeah. know, at some point you have to have a winner. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, Dr. Gutman, we are we are excited that you came today. I'm always and ex- talk to us again because it's always interesting, and uh, we hope that you'll come back again too. I'm always happy to come talk to you. It's been a real joy to come out and talk about and share some good news about Alzheimer's. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You're welcome.